What's up, what's up, what's up? So it is midnight, March 4th. It's my half birthday, meaning my birthday's in six months, if y'all don't know what that means. Yes, September 4th, same day as Queen B Beyonce. That's why I love her. But anyways, I'm here to talk to you guys about... A plethora of things, actually. I don't know if I can really say where I work. I don't know if there's, like, a clause against it. But if you know me, you'll know. And I'm sure, if, like, after this, you'll be like, oh, that's where she works. Okay. So I work somewhere that's pretty uh, known clinic. That is STD testing and birth control. If you can piece the pieces together, just know I work there. Okay. I've been working there for about a year. My anniversary is March 12th. It's almost a year. So uh, next week. Anyways, I love my job. Um, Super amazing organization that I've always wanted to work at because I want to, well, originally I wanted to do med school and become an OBGYN. If you don't know what that means, it means an obstetrician slash gynecology, which focuses on women's health. So I'd basically be the doctor that goes along the ride with the mom, the pregnant mom and monitoring her baby and all that stuff that's obstetrician side of it. The gynecology side is like pap smears, HPV testing, STD testing, um, any complaints they have. People usually um, specialize in both, or you can just do one or the other. But, you know, I wanted to mainly focus on labor and delivery and maybe specialize in um, high-risk pregnancies for women of color just because I think that's super, super important. Because women of color are getting shut down and ignored and are dying because physicians are ignoring their needs and just think they're not real and don't put them as a priority, which is really messed up and pisses me off. Yeah, it just makes me really mad. (laughs) I just don't think it's fair. So I wanted to open my own clinic and do the whole thing. And then I found out about PAs and how they can basically do labor and delivery as well. So what a PA is, is a physician's assistant. And at my job, there's MDs who work on the surgical side and on the family planning side. It's nurse practitioners and physician assistants. So a nurse practitioner is someone who has their BSN, which is a Bachelor of Science in Nursing, which is a four-year degree. And then they continued their education to do an NP, a nurse practitioner, which is like a master's in nursing. So they're kind of at the top of their field. The step above them is like a doctorate in nursing. But that's kind of counterintuitive, I guess, a little bit. But anyways, the nurse practitioners can basically, they're like um, their own person. So they don't really have to go under a doctor or anything like that. They can make their own diagnosis and write prescriptions and whatever. But so can PAs. But PAs are under a doctor. So say um the pa gets placed blame or something happens it wouldn't fall directly onto the pa it would fall on the md too so it doesn't mean the md is like hovering over their shoulder or watching everything they do no that's not the case the md usually doesn't have to be on site even they can be a phone call away or whatever So the PAs can do a lot. They can prescribe medications. They can do routine exams. They can perform certain surgeries. They can do a whole bunch of things. And it's becoming 
way more competitive because people are finding out about it. It's becoming a more exposed field. So as opposed to four years of medical school, three years of residency, um, all that crap, you can become a PA and be done in two years. So of course people are like, oh my God, give me a PA. (laughs) But there comes the whole thing of people not having a title so you there are some patients where I go in with the PAs that they have to explain like what a PA is and they're like what is that what is that but it's I mean it's really rare because people already know what a PA is and obviously if they're seeing you and they're wearing a white coat uh, they're kind of kind of important duh but some people are just like physician's assistant like you like do vitals only like no they're trying to work on changing the assistant to associate so it can be more established but yeah people who just don't really get the whole physician assistant thing they just hear assistant and they're like oh god you don't you can't do anything you can't diagnose anything it's a lie because they can anyways <laughs> so um of course people are more drawn to oh i can just do a year of didactic and a year of clinical so didactic basically means a year of schoolwork so opposed to medical school there'd be two didactic years in pa school there'd be one and then Medical school would be two years clinical, and then PA school would be one year clinical. So, but of course, you have to look at the fact of how fast it is. Uh, my school, they, has a PA, they have a PA school, and we're basically mirroring the program in the PA school with my biomed program. Ours isn't even as hard as them because they have tests every single week, like every other day. Like they, they're, they're on it. They have eight classes a semester. It goes so 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 fast if you're not on it and studying constantly 24 7 you'll get dismissed it's really intense i mean med school is more spread out and more um at a certain pace where pa school is just like if you don't get it that's it that's it that's it that's it, that's it. yeah um but of course what appealed to more people is what well, i literally interviewed every pa at my job where i was like why did you choose pa why did you do this why did you do that and a lot of them are just saying that the time, the money, they wanted to start a family, they wanted to have a healthy work-life balance, they already kind of um, in their late 20s. Uh, so yeah, the people who wanted to be MDs obviously didn't care about families. They were just like, oh, if you want to sacrifice your 20s and do 10 years, then that's on you. Go ahead and do it because you're young. You know, a lot of people who want to be PAs decided to be PAs when they were like 27-ish. That's usually the acceptance rate's like 26. I mean, say for medical school, the usual acceptance rate's 26 because they want you to have um, patient care hours and volunteer hours and good grades and all that type of crap. And for PA schools, you have to have patient care hours. There's, I can't even name one that doesn't have patient care hours. Um Basically, that you'd have to work in a clinical setting and be paid for it. So whether a scribe, a medical assistant, an EMT, a paramedic, an aide, a lab tech, whatever. Uh, I know this while you go to requires a thousand, but some schools require six thousand. So that would put you back um, a long time. So if you imagine a thousand a year, yeah. And I, I think I just hit a thousand like two months ago, and I've been almost working there for a year. So, yeah, it's kind of, when you look at it, it's kind of like, oh, my God, how do people find time to scribe and do EMT and medical assistant and go to school and get good grades and um, have extracurricular activities and volunteer and do all these amazing things? It's crazy. It's really a lot. Like, I, looking back, I'm just like, how the hell do I do research, volunteering, and work, and do school? I don't know. You do it. You just do it. 
and your body goes on autopilot and you just you go but anyways so my job there's a lot of misconceptions at my job that I kind of want to clear it up I did an Instagram post like a long time ago about um some things that people may think and how they're wrong (laughs) so birth control (laughs) I've literally been trained in every type of birth control you can freaking imagine and the things I hear about it are just so annoying people just speaking out of pocket and you're like that's not even true dude okay these are based on my experiences and my trainings if you think completely different or if you have a doctor friend or whatever and you don't believe me and you experience something different then whatever stop listening this is from my experience and what i've learned so and what i've been trained to tell patients so i'll basically take you through our model that we take our patients through you have long-acting reversible contraceptive contraception contraceptives sorry meaning that once they're placed in your body they go into your body you don't do anything to make them work meaning the iud and the implant there's two types of oh, and sterilization there's two types of iud's there's a non-hormonal iud and a hormonal iud the non-hormonal iud is made of copper copper something about copper doesn't allow the sperm and the egg to meet don't ask me the science behind it i don't know <laughs> it just doesn't allow it to happen and it can also act as an emergency contraceptive so say you had unprotected intercourse and you need to get a plan b a physician may recommend hey do you want a copper iud instead because it can be long acting it lasts for 12 years up to 12 years and it can take care of your current situation if you get it placed within five days after having um, unprotected intercourse. Okay, boom, that. The hormonal contraceptive, there's different types of brands that last for different types of years. So there's one that lasts for three years, five years, and seven years. So these obviously have a, um, are administering hormones over time. And with those, you can eventually lose your menstrual period with a copper iud you have it no matter what and it can also be known to be a little more crampier because of the device with the hormonal ones you can eventually lose it just because your body regulates the hormones and you don't have a period oh can that be bad for you oh my god you don't have a period oh my god no it's not bad for you because the hormones keep your uterine lining so thin that there's nothing to shed i don't know if you know this but within your uterus you're obviously shedding and that's what's bleeding from you every month boom there you go little science lesson with the hormones it's so thin that it doesn't shed okay if you're one of the people that need a period then maybe the iud isn't for you the insertion i've seen um a bunch of them can be quite uncomfortable quite painful for some people who don't have a high pain tolerance i've seen 16 year olds take it like a boss i've seen 30 year olds cry and scream uh don't really know what to tell you they used to only put it in for people who had children because their cervix was a little bit looser. Um, But now it doesn't matter because they can use dilators to open your cervix, but they recommend coming in on your period because your cervix is a little bit softer and easier to manipulate with the instrument. So we can always give you ibuprofen when you come in or you can take ibuprofen beforehand or just like breathe through it. The nurse practitioners and the PAs are awesome. They'll walk you through it and if they need to stop, they'll stop. 
They're great. Okay. That's IUDs. Implant. I have the implant, so I can speak from experience. Anyway, all these things are basically 99% effective. Um, I've, don't get me wrong. I've seen some IUDs where they've had positive pregnancy tests. Um, but that is rare. That doesn't really happen a lot. Um, but there are other complications where people have gotten pregnant while they've had their IUDs in. And it's just been a bad, a bad thing. And if you are pregnant with IUD, you have to immediately get it taken out. And some people won't even take it out because they don't want to risk, um, you miscarrying. So, and you also, with the IUD, with all birth controls, actually, you have to wait seven days for it to become effective or else you can get pregnant if you don't use a condom. So, T, if you want to be careful, which is usually what ends up happening. People will have sex before the seven days is up, won't use a condom, their boyfriend will, you know, do that, and then they, they're pregnant, boom. Oh my God, what happened? I had the IUD. Well, did you do this? Did you wait seven days? No, that's why. Okay, boom. So, yeah, there you go. There's your answer. Okay. So, implant. It's called the Nexplanon. And I love it. It's like a little matchstick. It goes inside your arm, um, on the side of your arm. So, like, we imagine your bicep to the right of that. So, like, on where the, where the inside of your arm touches your body. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, insertion isn't that painful. They numb you with lidocaine. That kind of feels like a bee sting, numbing, burning feeling that fades away in 30 seconds. The device is already, the device they use to insert the implant is already loaded with the implant. So they just like pop it in. The whole thing takes like low key a minute if your, um, NP's really fast, uh, which they are at my clinic. They're extremely fast. And the patient's like, wait, you're done. Yes, they're done. Um, you might have some bruising, swelling, redness, which I totally did. My arm swelled up and I was like, oh my God, I'm dying. But I love it. It's good for five years. Um, you can have a regular periods. That's a really common side effect. People can have their periods, weird periods for like six to nine months. So you can either not bleed for, not bleed the whole time, or you can have light spotting, or you can be bleeding for months and then not bleed for months, then bleed for months and then not bleed. Yeah. It's really crazy. And it can make you super hungry. The hormone in it, progesterone, makes you hungry. Like, people are like, oh, I don't want to gain weight on birth control. Technically, the birth control doesn't make you gain weight. You gain the weight if you're eating unhealthy. Like, I tell patients, if you have, like, a healthy lifestyle and you're, like, working out semi-regularly and you're not stuffing your face with Taco Bell every night, you should be okay. Because I, I found myself like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Oh my God, I'm snacking, 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 snacking. And then you look up and you gain 50 pounds. Happens all the time. I don't know what it is. I don't know why progesterone makes you so hungry, but it does. And that's usually what happens. When patients are like, I gained so much weight, I had to take it out. And it's just like, okay, what were you eating? What Were you working out? Were you moving? Were you, you know? It's not the birth control. You got to control those cravings and just chug water <laughs> i was literally just chugging water because i was like i'm not hungry it's it's this hormone making me feel like i'm hungry because i'm not hungry so there's that awesome um and after even people think that oh my god if i go on birth control i'll become sterile no 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 implant you take that hoe out you can be fertile real quick 
you'd be shocked at how fast you'd get pregnant with IUD as well. The only thing that's kind of iffy is a depo. That can take a little bit more time for you to um, get pregnant. But it's not like it's impossible either because it takes like a lot of time for that hormone to get out of your system. So those are the long acting. The second group is the pill patching and the shot. So the shot is called depo. That's what we call it, depo. Um, same hormone as the implant, but it's just injected through a needle into your intramuscular um, area. So it's weird because little <laughs> we load the shot and the, with the hormone with the with the birth control, and we give the person a shot, and they're good for three months. Some people are kind of iffy about that because some people are really anal and want to take something every day or they want to be able to feel their device or whatever. The shot, I think the shot's great. I wouldn't do it because I don't like needles, <laughs> but I can give shots and draw blood all day. Whatever, that's different on other people. But on me, no, I couldn't do it. But it's also good just because you don't really have to worry about anything. This is a, this is a good option for people who are super forgetful about the pill. People who don't take the pill every day and, and have to take like three at a time and skip a week and open a new pack like the depot or the implant iud is great for you because you don't really have to do anything as long as you come in on time to get your next shot you're straight so along with that you can also have regular bleeding and hunger and weight gain whatever but the weight gain is kind of on you but the irregular bleeding we have methods at the clinic to control that and if that's a problem you can always come in and they can tell you what to do so pill patch ring has the same amount of hormones they're just different methods so the patch if you guys don't know what that is it's like an it looks like a nicotine patch so i tell the patients the nicotine patch color like a band-aid it can go on your shoulders your lower back or your um arm never on your breasts just because it's not a good place to be um but anywhere on that um can go uh if you put it in the same spot repeatedly you can kind of get like a little irritation so i would suggest rotating shoulder to shoulder arm to arm lower back lower back um so you change the pack, patch weekly and it's super sticky so it's supposed to stay on in the shower in the sauna when you're swimming whatever if you're noticing it's peeling off then obviously put a new one on boom that's it pill we all know the famous pill you take it every day um, you want to take it around the same time. So uh, if you're better taking it at night or better taking it at morning and you need to set an alarm, then go ahead and do that. Uh, super effective. Uh, the pill patch ring shot are all super effective, but it leaves room for human error because if, say, you don't take your pill, say you don't take get your shot, you don't put the ring back in and you don't change your patch, then that's when your chance of pregnancy can totally increase. And I don't think people realize how... I mean, I see pregnancy, I saw pregnancy a lot, positive pregnancy deaths all the time, but I don't think people realize how, not hard it is to get pregnant, but I think people think getting pregnant is easier than they think, because it has to be the right time. It just doesn't happen willy-nilly, like, oh my god, you know, like, it has to be the right time, like, your body has to be physically prepped to be pregnant, and, uh, and it has to just take, you know, which is crazy so ring basically looks like a rubber band you insert it in your vagina and it would stay for three weeks you take it out the fourth week have a period put a new one in um yeah that's basically it they're all super awesome methods whatever works with your lifestyle more is what's important whatever you feel comfortable with doing is what we recommend and you can always come in a clinic and change it if you don't like it boom okay awesome birth control done check moving on 
um, it's going to get real uncomfortable. So if you're not pro-choice, you might want to hop off real quick. Um, we have protesters all the time and it's just really crazy and just not true. I wish people could see what I've seen just because it's really not what people think. People think that, for example, second trimester abortions happen because the mom just doesn't care. And that's not true at all and that's super frustrating because a lot of the time the mom may want the baby but she physically cannot because the baby she will die or the baby will die or there's a fetal demise or the baby she'll have to deliver a stillborn or like there's a lot of reasons that people just like speak out of pocket and don't really know the full story so before you even speak and oh well this is this is you should do your research before you even like try and come for people's throats because you don't already think that the mom feels bad that she has to do this, like the baby has. So scientifically and by law and just by regulations, you can get testing, genetic testing at 20 weeks. If you do the math, 20 weeks is at five months, which is in your second trimester. And the baby is formed. It's forming, okay? So it's it's more of a baby than like a bunch of cells. So... The genetic tests come back and they're like, hey, your baby has spina bifida. Or hey, your baby has a heart defect. Or hey, your baby has this. Hey, blah, 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 blah. They're at risk for this. They have Turner syndrome. They have Edward syndrome. They have um, crazy stuff going on. They don't have the, they have a chromosome abnormality. All of these things are determined at 20 weeks. I wish there was a test that could be done at like eight weeks. But there's not. It has to be done 20 weeks because they have to take a sample of um, the amniotic fluid and test that. Um, so if the doctors advise them, like, hey, you have a fetal demise, or hey, if you carry this baby to term, you're going to be at risk for losing the baby and you dying or you bleeding out, all this stuff. So, of course, they had to make the hard decision to come in and the abortion and people just think oh their baby daddy left them they don't want the baby anymore that's why they did it no stop talking be quiet that's not what it is all right so second abort second trimester abortions um happen uh but i don't think it's as frequent as people think and for the reasons people think they just think because the mom's being an asshole and wants to abort their baby that's not it so what does usually happen on the regular is abortions in the first trimester so what we do at the clinic, um, the clinic I work at is a surgery clinic. So they're one of the four clinics in the region that do um, abortions, like what they're, they're called TABs, um, TABs and MAPs. So a medication abortion is you can do up to 10 weeks and you would basically, it's a, both visits are extremely lengthy. Um, you'd go to the clinic they'd measure the size of the fetus and see if you can even do the um the medication abortion because you need to be able to pass the pregnancy okay so you take pills at the clinic and then you basically miscarry okay the in-clinic abortion would basically be done by a medical doctor someone who has their their degree in medicine four years residency all of that okay and that would happen 
up to whatever how many how many weeks um what's good about that one is that you can do it and then there's medical team around you what's good about the medication abortion is you can do it at home and be in the comfort of your own home it doesn't matter both are very effective um we allow the patient we give the patient all the information we allow them to decide for themselves we don't pressure them into anything and if they want to go home and think about it and come back they can if they want to go home and don't do it they can it doesn't matter it's the patient's choice. It's their body. If they want to consult their partner, if they don't want to consult their partner, if they don't want to um, disclose any information to us, fine, 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 fine. As long as it's not a positive STD report, child abuse, domestic violence, we don't have to report it. Boom. That's it. We're a mandate reporter. So if, those, if it's one of those things, we have to. By law, we have to. But if it's not, boom, do your thing. Do whatever. If you have baby daddy problems, whatever, and you want to deal with it on your own and not tell anybody, fine fine <laughs> we're legally not obligated <laughs> to tell your mom if you come to the clinic like that's a misconception people think like oh if i go here like y'all will tell my mom no your mom can come banging at the door and we will not let her in we can see patients as young as 12 yeah 12 because 12 years are having sex yeah it happens it's not completely out of the norm for that to happen so I've had patients whose parents are crazy and are just like, my parents won't let me be on birth control. My parents were not having sex. My parents don't know that I've done this, done this, had an abortion, whatever. And it's like, we're not there to judge you. We're there to help you and give you the safest care because we'd rather you come to us than you do something to yourself, causing yourself to causing yourself harm, basically. So, yeah that's why i work there because i was i'm there to help people and help women and men make safe sexual decisions about their body and be safe about their body and have knowledge because people don't really understand how stds and abortions and birth control and their own body parts work so i've had to explain what a vagina is to many people because your vagina isn't what y'all think it is the vagina is the inside the outside is your vulva <laughs> and you have the labia majora labia minora and all it's it's a lot and you have fallopian tubes ovaries uterus um yeah <laughs> you can have ectopic pregnancy you can have your fallopian tubes rupture you can have a uterus perforate if you it's just it's a lot it's a lot okay and i've had to explain to people things that they've never understood i really think that sex ed should be taught mand be mandatory like i took it freshman year because that people just don't know people are stupid and people you can't prevent sex i'm sorry you can't as much as you want to believe that people are going to be abstinent whatever you can't prevent it so you might as well educate people on it and give them the tools they need to be safe that's it that's how I feel about that. Anyways, STDs. We Okay, so my clinic does a huge um, panel. The main we test for is chlamydia, gonorrhea, HIV, um, and syphilis. But we can test for, like... Um, you, can't, you can't really test for... You can test for herpes, but you'd have to have a current outbreak because we have to be able to swab the lesion or the bump test for that and then they can off the bat most of the practitioners and pas can diagnose uh general warts so 
by looking at it or some type of like skin skin thing or they can diagnose like yeast infections bacterial vaginosis uh, utis yeah so quick facts at our clinic you should get tested after every new partner yearly or if you have um if you're a high risk person if you have sex with multiple partners without using a condom or use a condom you can always come in we advise patients to always be come in after two weeks after having intercourse with their partner because two weeks is kind of a safe window to make sure that the testing is accurate because you can always have a false negative if you come in too early um so we like to say two weeks so the testing's done and everything we're like oh this is for sure that the test is a negative okay so gonorrhea and chlamydia can be asymptomatic that's just how it is. Some women may think chlamydia or gonorrhea can be a yeast infection or BV and not know it's an STD, an STD until they do the testing. If you go with chlamydia and gonorrhea untreated, it can lead to a lot more problems and it can lead to like sterility in the worst, 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 worst case. Okay. The If you come to the clinic and you're, you, you feel like you have a yeast infection, don't come in if you've used Duanostat. Because if you use Monistat, we can't really do anything because when we take your discharge on a slide and look at it under a microscope to look if there's any type of yeast and you've used Monistat, the medication is clouding our vision, basically. So if you use Monistat or anything like that or taken yeast pills, whatever, let the medication work. And always don't do a one day, don't do a three day, at least do a five or seven day. That's recommended. We usually give a seven day, but five or seven days. The one day isn't enough. The three days, yeah, five, seven. All right, cool. Yeast infections can be caused by improper wiping, overgrowth of your regular bacteria, because all the bacteria that is already in your vagina, what makes your pH normal, whatever, can easily be thrown off balance. By wearing lace underwear, wearing thongs to sleep, constantly wearing panty liners, um, using the wrong soap, using Summer's Eve, douching, a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff. <laughs> Along with BV. BV is bacterial infection, yeast is a fungal infection. Okay. Uh, so just be careful. You don't need to do anything up there. You don't need to shove a Summer's Eve bottle up there. You don't need to use vinegar. <laughs> You know, wear cotton underwear at night or no underwear if that's your thing. Stay away from thongs all the time because if you think about it, if you're sitting and moving around, the butt piece can like get in your crotch. <laughs> like, I'm just being honest. Like, it can, bacteria spreads and like bacteria and fungus like to grow in warm, moist areas. So, wear breathable underwear, breathable clothes sometimes. Okay, I'm sorry, TMI, if you're a man listening to this. I'm so sorry. But men can get yeast infections, too. Yes, they can. <laughs> if they have sex with someone without a condom who's a yeast infection, they can get a yeast infection. Very true. And they may have a weird rash on their on their peen. So, yeah. And men can get UTIs, but it's not really common because men have a longer urethra than women do, obviously. Um, so bacteria is like flushed out, but they can get urethritis, um, which can be cured. It's not really an issue, but for women, 
Um, UTIs can come from a lot of things. Um, bacteria getting into the urethra and just causing a problem. And it can get really bad. People can get um, kidney infections. Uh, we do urine dips at my job where uh, the patient will leave a urine sample and we'll test for protein, glucose, nitrates, and leukocytes that are present in the urine. And we'll have like a bottle to compare the colors that the dipstick turns. And some people have serious UTIs. If you have pink positive nitrates, you have a real UTI. We'll give you medication if you have leukocytes or anything like that, because leukocytes obviously are a form of white blood cell that shows that there's an infection present and your body's currently trying to fight off something. So we'll give you ciproflaxin for that, which is an antibiotic, which can be interchangeable between clinics, I'm sure. But, you know. But please, again, if you have a UTI or you suspect you have a UTI, don't take azo and come to the clinic because then we can't test your urine because azo makes your piss orange and your piss isn't supposed to be orange and it, it would just be an invalid test because it ruins a dipstick so if you're taking azo let it work let it clear your body for a few days and then come into the clinic or just come into the clinic the first sign what's the harm in making sure that you're okay nothing so just don't take anything or take it and let it work okay Yes. So also the pregnancy tests we use, <laughs> they're not anything special. Sorry to say the people who are buying clear blue and spending $20 on a pregnancy test don't really need to because you can buy 20 pregnancy tests from the Dollar Tree and they'll do the same exact thing. So before you think about buying the little pretty stick with the word pregnant on it, go to the Dollar Tree and get $5 worth of pregnancy test and and do it like that because if it's one line you're not pregnant if it's two lines you're prego and wait four minutes there you go a little trip trip tip for you what else what else what else we also test for hiv uh which is by a finger poke so we basically poke your finger with the lancet collect your blood, drop it onto a pH stick, add some buffer solution, and then it would run up the little little stick reader thing for 20 minutes, and it will have a control line. If you have a line above the control line or a line below the control line, that could determine how long you've had HIV. If you have HIV antigens, excuse me, HIV antigens or HIV antibodies. Okay. Uh, yes, there have been patients who have tested positive for HIV. Yes, there have been patients who have tested positive for gonorrhea, chlamydia, for both. Yes, I don't... No, not yes. No, I don't tell the patient that they have that. The clinician does. I They wouldn't put me in that awkward situation because I don't have the training to convey that message to somebody that they have a life condition, whether it's herpes, HIV, genital warts. I don't do that. Even with chlamydia gonorrhea, I don't really, I don't do that. Some of my coworkers can be like, oh yeah, you have this, and it's, it's in your mouth. Like, I mean, it just depends on the rapport you have with the patient. If they're cool with you saying that, then cool. If they're kind of uncomfortable, then ugh, keep it to yourself and let the clinician do their job. Yeah, and it's really important to get tested because, so they have this thing, I don't know if you guys have seen, I'm sure you have seen the commercials of Truvada. So they have this thing, it's called NPEP and PREP. Plain and simple, how we were taught, PrEP is basically birth control. So imagine taking the pill every single day. That's what PrEP is. It basically prevents HIV. So say you have a high-risk lifestyle, you're a sex worker, you're promiscuous, whatever, you want to protect yourself, 
by using condoms and prep on top of that you can have a prescription for it you take this pill every single day all right pep is when you've been exposed to hiv multiple scenarios so say one scenario you had sex with somebody who you don't know one night stand you take pep two another person who you've had sex with and they are hiv positive you take pep uh you were sexually assaulted you take pep you were in a clinical setting and you get cut by a scalpel that's been used or you've been stabbed by a needle that's been used you take pep period a lot of people who say they oh yeah i got stabbed at work and with a used scalpel or a knife or a needle and they didn't they didn't send me for further blood testing you should sue them like my clinic is it's a mandatory if you tell somebody hey i was stabbed with a used needle they will send you to rch go do blood testing go take pep without a question that's not why would you even risk the run the chance of risking your life like that because you never know what people have people can look clean and healthy and they may have hpv hiv whatever and they're just on their own type of medication for it so mm-hmm, get me bit if you think i'm risking my life for a life-altering disease that cannot be cured nope so in case you run into that issue pep is what you would take okay don't ask me what it stands for i don't know but <laughs> prep and pep and we sell those at my clinic too or we not sell them we give referrals referrals because it's sold through walgreens so yeah basically what else what else what else um you can get chlamydia and gonorrhea at the same time i've seen it a handful of times you can get both it's not one or the other i mean it can be one or the other but you can also get both t you can get in your mouth vagina penis or your anal cavity yes sir yes sir um oral chlamydia gonorrhea can be seen as white patches in the back of the throat and it can mimic the symptoms of a sore throat. So you will, oh, it's a sore throat. Oh, you know, whatever. It can be cured um, with some antibiotics. Um, but again, if you think it's a sore throat and you're transmitting it to other people, but it's not a sore throat, then there's a whole issue because you have to contact those people who you've had sexual intercourse with or sexual contact with and let them know, hey, I tested positive for chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, whatever. And we generally... If you have a positive STD test, we test for syphilis because syphilis can jump onto other STDs. We just want to make sure that you don't have syphilis because syphilis can be cured with rounds of penicillin, but they would give you that at the county. We wouldn't treat you with penicillin at my clinic. We would refer you to the county where they would take care of you and you'd be okay. If you're diagnosed, well, diagnosis seems kind of like intense. If you were given a positive STD test, you would take the medication like antibiotics um yeah antibiotics and then you would get a retest in three months no sooner you can do later but just no sooner three months is a mark that you would kind of get retested unless you've had a new partner in between through diagnosis in three months that's when we would test you again but the general rule of thumb is positive std test wait three months get tested again good to go do whatever you gotta do all right that's that's about it we talked about abortion hiv birth control scds hmm yeah like fun little facts like just 
do your research before you speak on matters that you don't really know. That's a lot of misconception of people thinking like, oh my god, abortion is this. It's not really that. It's not. And you're not, it's not a full-form baby at eight weeks. A lot of people don't even know that they're pregnant until they're around six weeks. Because your HCG levels don't really rise until that point. So people may be like, oh, I didn't know I was pregnant until, you know, this time. I've told patients like, hey, you're blank weeks along and they're like oh my god how am i so far along and it's like easy have you had light cramping have you had spotting have you been nauseous have you had sore breasts oh yeah i thought it was sick or i had a stomach flu no (laughs) it's that a lot of period symptoms and pregnancy symptoms can be interchangeable which is very scary and you have to be very in tune with your body and keep track of your period and stuff like that if you're not on any birth control um but it's it's stressful because a lot of the symptoms can be the same bloating and cramping and spotting like, oh people are like oh like how, how am i pregnant i've been spotting and it's like yeah that's part of the process because the embryo is embedding into your uterus so it, it can have spotting yeah man woman's body's intense I love it. I love talking about it. If you can tell how unbothered I am. Because <laughs> I talk about this every single day with patients where I have to explain things down to the T. <laughs> but I love it. I love my job. I love um, women's health. And can't wait to hopefully work at Planned Parenthood one day. Yes, that's where I work. If you haven't gathered that so far, that's where I work. And they do an amazing job. I they I can't even speak any higher what I do. They do what they do is amazing. All the NPs and PAs and MDs and people there are super amazing and they all have one goal is just to educate people and let them know that whatever decision they make isn't the wrong one. And to give them the tools to make whatever decision they feel is best. So yeah, good times. Hopefully I answered any questions or any misconceptions that people have had about my job or anything like that. Tune in for next time. Thanks for listening, guys.